Welcome to the Fantasy Baseball Beat. Welcome back to the Fantasy Baseball Beat. I'm your host for the evening, Mike Carter, fresh off the first day of school here outside Chicago in my little hamlet of Batavia, Illinois. It was a crazy day, as they usually are when you first get started. Uh, it's my 29th school year here, if you can believe it. I hope you've all had a good day. With me, as always, is my trusted partner in crime, a man of many talents and many hats, although he usually only wears his Yankees hat when we record, the incandescent Chris Torres. Chris, how are you doing tonight? Love it. I, well, incandescent honest, really little... describes you well. It does. Yeah. Yeah, you with these big words, man. I, I I'm not really sure what that means, but I'll take it. Uh, it sounds good. Uh, but no, I'm a little flustered right now. I'm a little flustered. Uh, to be honest, I was totally caught off guard that we were recording right now. Um, I had planned for us to record at nine o'clock my time, and at six o'clock uh, over here now, Mike texted me and said, "Hey, you know what's up? We're we're recording with uh, our guest Ryan Bloomfield." So. Uh, yeah, my, my schedule, my mind has just been so scattered. So literally, this has been my day, the theme of my day, because earlier um, I screwed up my schedule. I have people who come clean my house every couple of weeks, um, and I totally screwed that up, too. And it was kind of funny because um, we me and my wife. So I work from home and my wife is actually in between jobs right now, so she's not working. So. We kind of made a uh, a date, let's call it, um, earlier today. And literally, as that date was getting started, you know, the appetizer, uh, I hear someone barging into my house. And it turns out that I totally screwed up the time that they were supposed to be coming. And the date was interrupted. So, yeah, I had that earlier. I have this now. This is my day, Mike. So to be honest, I'm a little bit flustered, but uh, it's good to be here. Well, let me tell you something. Incandescent is a great word to describe you because people think of incandescent and they think of a, a light bulb, right? You might think of an incandescent light bulb. Now, you're far younger than I am, so you might not know what that is. But incandescent means someone that is full of fire, someone that is full of passion for the things lot, that go on around of, there, them. Was, there was a lot of passion earlier today that didn't get to be expressed. Let's put it that way. <laughs> Well, I mean, we all know that, you know, Ingrid's taking one for the team on all of these things, right? I mean, like, absolutely. She she's really not all that interested in you anymore. So it's like, mm -hmm. you know, I mean, I don't know how much it was really interrupted, if we're going to be honest. You know what I mean? Like, I don't okay. know. I mean, well, you know, maybe I'm wrong. I could be wrong. She's a wonderful human being. She has to be for putting up with your incandescent and insufferable ways at times, right? So anyway. <laughs> Chris, I'm glad you're here. I'm glad to be anywhere. It's great to be here. And as you mentioned, we do have an ex extremely special guest coming tonight. And I don't mean that in a special ed way like he thinks I, I do. But uh, we do have Ryan Bloomfield with us tonight. And, and Ryan is someone that I've admired for a really long time. Uh, his work is tremendous. He has a, a great skill as a fantasy player. He shows great acumen in all the things that he does and is a wonderful mm -hmm. fantasy analyst. In fact, when I was first getting started writing and working at Roto Fanatic and working and trying to learn some things, I met Ryan at First Pitch Arizona a couple of years ago, 
And he really encouraged me to continue to, to keep writing and just keep putting stuff out there. And that in so doing, I would, I would just get better and I would keep improving. And that was really motivational to me and super helpful to me. And so I thank him for that. But Ryan is, uh, if you don't know who Ryan is, you should. <laughs> if you've been listening to our podcast, you know that we've shouted him out and, and Bubba, his co-host on Bubba in the Bloom podcast. We've done that a number of times. But Ryan's a great guy. He's a great analyst. He's a great husband. And he's a dad as well. He's recording right now while his kids are away uh, in, in this next hour with us. Um, he works at Baseball HQ, which is the greatest fantasy baseball website on the planet, as Patrick Davitt reminds us every week. And he's right. He's the associate editor of the illustrious baseball forecaster, which in my house is simply referred to as the text or the baseball Bible, a two-time FSWA winner, half of the Bubba and Bloom podcast, as I mentioned earlier, and it's a weekly must-listen for Chris and me. Ryan's only true flaw, I would say, is being a Virginia Tech alum and a big Hokies fan. Ryan, welcome to the show, and thanks for coming on with us. It's your first time. We're so glad to have you. How are you doing today? I was going to say, Mike, you had to drag me down at the, at, at the end. I, I do. Uh, you got to bring me back to earth. You're puffing me up a little bit too much throughout no, that you- intro. No, it was it was awesome. And I do remember that conversation at first pitch. Um, so glad to be on the show with you guys. You guys are doing really good things with this. Just the format. Listen to your episode with Lauren last week. Uh, how you talk about fantasy stuff, non-fantasy stuff, and can't imagine the scheduling hoops you guys try and go through with these three time zones. Obviously, with Taurus, it has shown that he's wilting in that uh, in that confusion. It's not going but, so well. No, no, but, uh, <laughs> but no, ple- pleasure to be on with you guys. Um, you guys are you guys are good friends, funny funny human beings, and let's talk some some baseball in life. Appreciate that, Ryan. Thanks for coming on with us. First off, if you would. Not mind. Would you tell our listeners when you first started playing fantasy baseball and how you got hooked into it? This would have been, let's see, I started playing in 1999 um, on a site called Sandbox. I don't know if you guys remember. I've heard of Sandbox. Started my older brother, actually. I remember this. He he was just, I don't know, surfing the internet back in the late 90s and said, let's, let's try this fantasy baseball thing out. We, we've grown up following baseball, playing baseball. And so my first league was a, a points league on sandbox with my family, um, brothers, dad, uncles, grandma was in the league. Wow. Aunts, that sort of thing. The league is actually still to this day, still active. So we, we've switched it over. Sandbox is, is no longer it's RIP, but we still play that same points league format to this day. So it's a great way to keep in touch. And that's, that's how I got into it. I was like 14 years old sending i remember aim messages to my uncles trying to swing trades to them back in the uh, late 90s early 2000s so that's that's how it started for me that's really cool that's really cool so yeah ryan you are um you're one of the big shots over at, at baseball hq and i've got here my my baseball forecaster next to me there um, you go Literally, I, I slept with this uh, for the month of March. Uh, so you could see, like, it's beat up. It's It's been through a lot. Um, <laughs> but uh, as it should. A little, what's that? As it should. As it should, man. I mean, yeah, it's just it, it's an invaluable resource. Anybody who is not using that for their draft prep is just doing it wrong uh, or just, you know, like not being efficient with their time because 
so much good information is in here. So anybody who's listening to this who doesn't get the baseball forecaster, it's like 30, 35 bucks. It is more than worth it. You guys should charge more than than uh, what you do because it is so valuable. Um, but tell us, how did you get your start uh, in the industry as a writer? And how did you get hooked on at uh, Baseball HQ? It's funny because you mentioned the, the forecast. And I was just thinking we're about two months away from being knee deep into the 2024 version, which is kind of sick and I'm twisted sure that's a and crime, scary. Man. Yeah, it is. It's um, it's kind of weird, like the ebbs and flows of the season and like when the busy time is and that sort of thing. I think for most folks, it's like January, February, March is draft season. The busy time for us, it's weird because not only do we do the forecaster, like all of October and pr- like half of November, we also gear up for first pitch Arizona in, in early November. So like that combination of events like our for me busiest time is in the fall which is which is really weird like right when the season ends so gearing up for that um back to your original question how did i get on with hq i was actually a subscriber to the site because i wanted to beat my family way back when um and they just put out a help wanted applications for writers and they they tend to hire from within with with subscribers i remember i got actually got i remember sending an email to ray murphy pitching an idea um ray's one of our one of our two-headed monster that runs the site rejected me the first time i still give him crap for that to this day (laughs) but uh no i just applied this was back in 2011 2012 and um was fortunate enough to get an offer to write for them and i've just been kind of working my way up the ranks, through the ranks, whatever, uh, for over 10 years now. So, um, great cup, great, great group over there. Wouldn't be, uh, you know, happy to be there and wouldn't, wouldn't want any other way. So it's been a fun 10, 11 year run, but that's basically, it's kind of boring on my story was, but that's that's how I started. I stuck with them and and here we are. That's awesome stuff. Uh, Ryan, before we get into talking about fantasy stuff, there's one question I've always really wanted to ask you that I've never really been able to ask you, and that's about the bloom boards, which I find absolutely fascinating. I I can stare at them for quite a few <laughs> minutes at a time when there's nobody near me talking to me and really kind of get into them. And it always uh, highlights something new for me that I hadn't e- thought about or hadn't thought about in a long time. How did you come up with the idea for doing that? Kind of the point of them, yeah. It's just get your mind thinking about. Uh, and for those that aren't aware, bloom boards, I, I typically like front load them, so usually you'll see them daily during draft season. But it's just kind of like filters and lists of players of things that I, I that I think are interesting, and uh, that's exactly the point is to try and say, hey, you know, there's these ten guys meet these ten filters, whatever. Five of them you might expect. These other five, it's like, oh, I didn't didn't know that. Let me dive into, into these guys a little bit deeper, but. um I actually, they started out because I was just doing this research anyway for writing for HQ. And I was like, well, I might as well, I don't know, tease the, tease the article or whatever, but just like, I'm, I'm, I'm putting this grunt word forward anyway. I might as well throw it out there. And remember the first couple of times, um, I think the key to them is they like, they're, they're visually pleasing. You kind of look at it and, and it's Twitter, right? It's like, you look at it for two seconds and, you know, you, you either scroll on or you, or you look at it a little bit deeper. So uh, it's kind of that that nice mix of I throw a kind of a graph, a list of players up there, and again on Twitter you can only fit so much in there. I do not have the uh, the blue check, so I, I'm I'm still at 280 characters. But I try and add a little bit of uh, I don't know just my takeaways to the uh, to the tweet, and they get tons of engagement and they're ton of fun to talk to people about. It's, I mean I've talked to you guys 
a ton about certain boards that we've put up in the, over the last few years. So. Yeah, they are fascinating. I really, I really do enjoy uh, taking a look at those when they're out. And uh, like you said, I think it really serves that purpose well. It gets you really thinking about something, or there's something in there that can be really surprising as well, which is what uh, I really enjoy as well. well we're going to move on to uh, our first segment of the show. Uh, other than we've been talking for 15 minutes already, but the week that was is a segment that Chris and I always kind of do together, and. Uh, a guy that we've kind of been interested in and that Chris and I have kind of gone back and forth on is Dylan Moore. And uh, last week, re- reporter Daniel Kramer reported that Scott Service was saying that Moore looked better right now than he ever has. There's been a big uptick in his exit velocity. You know, he's killing fastballs right now, especially in the top third of the zone. Uh, Ryan and Chris, I asked this question to both of you guys. Are you buying these changes in Moore? We know it's a small sample size, but I picked him up in my TGFBI league a couple of weeks ago and a couple other 15 teamers. So please tell me that I did the right thing in picking up Dylan Moore. I think, think you did the right thing temporarily, Mike. I actually, <laughs> uh, so I'll, I'll expand upon that a little bit. I did pick up uh, Dylan Moore myself in Tout Wars this week, which is a 15 teamer. So same, same type of deal, mostly because of the playing time. JP Crawford being out with his, uh, I guess on the seven day IL with his, with his concussion, we obviously don't know how long that will be, but Dylan Moore is the shortstop pretty much every day. And the Mariners had a seven game week this week. So like mostly for the playing time, I think once JP Crawford comes back, I think Dylan Moore just retreats to being a utility player in terms of like the skills. I, I don't know, man, like this is a guy who he strikes out way too much. The the, the K rate's just absurd. And I, 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 one of the things I've tried to be, more cognizant of myself, especially in recent seasons, to kind of accept a higher strikeout rate. And I mean, that's the way the game is going. That's okay. Like Ellie De La Cruz is the kind of ultimate example of that. But Dylan Moore is, is not Ellie De La Cruz. So um, I think it's just one of those like streamer types. As long as the playing time's there and some decent matchups, you can you can go with them. He does play everywhere. That helps. And the power of speed is 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 decent. But uh, I don't know. I'm not buying the the rebirth of, of Dylan Moore at this point. Yeah, I wonder if this uh, this writer, and, and not to like disparage the article at all. I mean, it's interesting. It was written by uh, Daniel Kramer on MLB.com. You know, just about Dylan Moore. About uh, he used a quote, you know, from Scott Service that he looks better than he ever has, and then he cited like he's doing more damage at the top of the zone against fastballs, and you know, like yeah, this stuff is. Um, it's true, but is it more descriptive or predictive, right? Um, you know, we're, we're dealing with a very, very small sample here. So, um, yeah, I mean, like you said, Ryan, given the, the opening uh, at shortstop right now and the fact that the Mariners had a seven-game week, I think Dylan Moore was definitely a good pickup and, and someone to just keep an eye on. You know, he is kind of their utility guy. So, Something else could open up for him. And then in that case, he does offer that that power speed combo. And uh, I think he can be a valuable short term pickup. But it's hard to see, like you said, how this is all of a sudden a, a different player that, you know, is, is going to uh, change the trajectory of his career. So I was wrong to feel incandescent about him is what you're saying, Chris. <laughs> uh, absolutely. Yeah. Now that we, now that we know strong. what that word Save that for me, but. Exactly. Yeah. Now that now that we know what that word means. Well, you know, my background is an ELA teacher, right? So I always got to figure out a way to get some vocabulary in there, guys. Okay. 
another guy that we really need to talk about that is an interesting player for a lot of fantasy uh, ladies and gentlemen that are playing in the field is Carlos Correa. And his season-long slump has really left quite a few players in the doldrums. Aaron Gleeman last week wrote in The Athletic about it. Ryan and Chris, I've been debating this for a long time. What are your thoughts on targeting or avoiding players that are in the first year of long-term contracts? And how do you guys approach this when you are drafting your fantasy baseball teams every season? I mean, I don't, I don't know. I feel like there is a way to study this and probably should and see like how many guys, what, what is that production delta look like between the last year and the first year of the new contract? I feel like it's more a narrative thing. I mean, you can find examples on either side of the coin of guys who, uh, you know, all, all the ones that I can think of are guys that have struggled in their first uh, year on the contract. I'm sure there are others, but like, I, I, I don't know. I don't really buy into that, um, that thing. Yeah, um, I don't either, or I didn't prior to this year, but uh, given how some of these situations have worked out for me uh, this past season, I'm I'm kind of rethinking that. So anybody who's listened to pre- previous episodes knows that I am just dying, dying every day watching what Trey Turner is doing. I took him with the first overall pick, passing up Ronald Acuna. Um for my most important Ouch. league. Yeah. 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 I mean, it's like, it's robbed so much joy for me of this baseball season because it's just been consistent. Like Trey Turner has, he's had a couple like, you know, g- really good games, but there hasn't been like a hot stretch. And Ronald Acuna literally has been hot the entire year. Like what he's doing is historic. So it's killing me to, to watch that. Um, and the only thing that I can think of with Turner, um, is that the adjustment to playing in Philadelphia coming off the big contract, uh, I know there's been talk about maybe like his skills were degrading a little bit, even last year, if you really look under the hood, but I mean, this is like a 10th percentile outcome for him. And by all accounts, he's healthy, right? So, um, then that makes me think it has to be something mental. Uh, and, and then looking at other guys, like I have Wilson Contreras on that team that really hasn't worked out. Um, Andrew Benintendi, you know, Mike, that's been just blah. like he, he just, he's just been so mediocre, uh, definitely not living up to that contract. Uh, Trevor story last year was another guy I was invested in and, you know, I know he ended up getting hurt, but he was not playing up to what you would expect from him. So <laughs> I don't know. Maybe it's just purely anecdotal. Uh, maybe it's just landing on red, you know, four or five times in a row, and then uh, it, it'll go the other way with future uh, situations like this. But I don't know. Something about it is just making me like in in future drafts. I think I am going to ding those players slightly. Like it, it'll be kind of like a tiebreaker for me if I'm looking at a player off of a big free agent contract compared to one who's not. I may take the uh, the alternative there. So I don't know, Mike. What do you th- do? You think there's any credence to that? I think it's really hard to quantify. And yeah. and when you when you think about that, I, I think Ryan summed it up really nicely too, saying like there's probably some way you could look at that and 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 make some determinations on it. But it does feel largely anecdotal. I think the thing that I always try to think about with those types of guys is that you know they're human beings. I mean, if you were mm-hmm. 
a person who signed a long-term contract, there's probably a level of comfort that you probably come to that I would never be able to understand. And you're moving across country. You might be moving family across country with you. With Carlos Correa, we know that this is a guy that does play hurt a lot and played with some pretty significant injuries last year as well, you know, and maybe he's trying to justify that contracts, you know, landing back in Minnesota, which was a surprise to many people. Hard to say. Uh, I don't think that I'd look at that as much as uh, maybe you guys do um, in, in terms of using that as a, a, a way to make a decision between players. I, I have a tendency to look at other things, I think, that, than that. But I, I do think it is something to strongly consider. I do wonder, too, like, so taking this even further, what would what would we think about the second year of that big contract? So Trey Turner next season, which... You know, where, where, what is that ADP? What is that draft going to look like? And I'll actually have an answer to that next week because I'm one of these sickos who's doing a 2024 draft uh, next week as part of Rob DiPietro's nice. first seven round draft champions league. So I'll, I'll know, but um, it will be interesting to see what the market thinks of like a Trey Turner in year two. Again, playing anecdotal here, settled in that sort of thing in, in Philadelphia. So um, I think that, that that would be if there is something to the first year of a right. contract, what, you know, does that carry on a second year? What does that kind of positive regression look like the following year? Um, I don't know. It's just, it's an interesting, interesting thought. Yeah. Yeah. I, you know, like I try to be very um, non-emotional when it comes to playing fantasy baseball. I feel like you have to be to be successful, but it's going to be hard for me <laughs> push that button on Trey Turner next year, though I'd imagine it probably will be a value. And I'm sure the projection systems will have him as a value um, uh, in his ADP next year. But let me ask you, what are you guys doing with Carlos Correa? Like, Mike, you started out uh, by mentioning that article. I mean, in 15-teamer, it is what it is, right? Like, you're not you're not dropping Correa, but I mean, it's it's been ugly. It's, you know, 15 homers, 54 RBIs, a 231 average. Um, I mean, is he like a viable, like in a 12 teamer? Do you think um, you're hanging on to him there? Like, as do you feel that he's uh, worthy of being like a starting shortstop in that format? I, I, I cut him in May in my home league 12 teamer. I was uh, not willing okay. to, w- I was not willing to wait. Um, I picked up two other guys, though, that you might have heard of in the meantime to replace him. One is named Matt McLean. And I the heard other of him. one is. Yeah, I heard he's the, pretty good. Yeah. The, other, the other is named Royce Lewis. So okay. uh, those guys were both in the free agent pool, and somehow I ended up with them. So I feel pretty good about my shortstop situation right now in that league, at least, <laughs> in one league. <laughs> yeah. Okay, so you made the right move there. What about you, Ryan? What are you doing with Correa in a, in a 12-teamer right now? And if you could also speak to like his outlook in Dynasty, what what do you expect from him moving forward? I mean, I think, I, I don't know, I've never really been a huge Correa guy for fantasy just because he doesn't run. And if you don't run, you don't you need to do something else. You need to be like Corey Seager and be very, right. very good. I know Seager has his injury problems and that sort of thing, but uh, when he's on the field... The production, the other four category production is so much more valuable than what Correa is putting out there. So dynasty wise, too, like, I mean, we all know about what happened with the failed physicals with, uh, um, you know, this past offseason. And so like that for a long, long term type of thing does, you know, factor in. So pretty, pretty down on Correa the rest of this season and going forward. I do wonder, like, 
I mean, I'll throw this back to you guys, but like Vaughn Grissom's coming back up. Uh, I know he's, yeah, he, ah, he's got 19 games at shortstop uh, this season, but like Vaughn Grissom's coming back up. Would you guys take a stab? And if, if Correa was on a 12 team or if Correa was on a waiver wire, would you go with like Correa or, or go with Vaughn? I feel like Nicky Lopez might uh, spoil the Vaughn Grissom party, <laughs> which is yeah, weird to good. say, but you know, like I, I think that, uh, I don't know how certain his playing time is going to be. So I don't know. It depends what I need, right? Like obviously if, if stolen bases are uh, important and you can move up in that category, then you, you may take a shot on Grissom. Uh, Cause like you said, Correa had zero steals on the year. And that's just a quick point. Like that's a killer man in this environment, like where everybody's stealing. If you have a guy who, you know, is, is not stealing one bag, then he's got to be, just absolutely crushing everything else uh and and Correa has been mediocre and everything else so uh yeah but um overall like I'm, I'm just a little tentative specifically on on Grissom but what about you Mike you guys ever watch uh the Chappelle show every now and then oh yeah God, it's, it's it. been a while but yes yeah okay do you remember the character that he developed named Tyrone Biggums the the wandering yes. the wandering crack addict okay so here's my correlation. If you tell me that you have a guy in a room that's going to get me potentially five stolen bases and five home runs down the stretch, or anybody that might approach double digits in either one of those categories, Torres, you know this about me. That is, I'm like Tyrone Biggums running to that, se- You're that a session. You're for that. Yeah, I'm yeah. getting, I'm getting those guys that do both things. I don't care if they hit two ten, and and that's probably the downfall of many of my teams. But yes, I would definitely take a stab at Vaughn Grissom over Correa in that situation. I think you okay. bring up a good point about Nicky Lopez, but Nicky Lopez. One thing we know about Nicky Lopez is that he can't hit. Even though he's been hot right now, but he's a he's a utility guy and a bench player, a good speed guy, but he's got no power, not none whatsoever. Well, the Braves don't need any more power. I mean, it's almost this is true. This is true. Yeah, that is very, very true. Okay, so moving right along, we talk about uh, in our show here, the second segment, we always talk about one fantasy related takeaway from the past week. And we always like to ask our guests, what was one big thing that you took away last week when you were reflecting? So, Ryan, we'll start with you. What was your fantasy related takeaway from the last week? More just like this time in the calendar, starting to plan ahead for the last few weeks of the season. And I, I, I throw this webpage up like usually in September, but uh, we'll get we'll get the we'll get the mind going a little bit early this season. It, there's a there's a site called Tankathon. I don't know if, if you guys have heard of it. Um, I use it just to look at remaining schedules, and it's they have a super useful page. If anyone wants the link, you can get it out. But uh, it looks at just at this point in the season, how many games are left for each team and what's the strength of schedule? Because I think like outside of kind of, you know, categories and trying to manage that the rest of the way, and that gets talked about on, on a lot of shows. And that's a, that's a point of emphasis. Um, you can get kind of incremental edges by picking a, as a tiebreaker, getting guys with, you know, four or five more games this season. Uh, just to put a couple examples of that, the, Colorado Rockies, for example, I don't know what the split looks like home away. Like they have pretty easily the toughest schedule remaining. They get the Braves for three, Orioles three, four against the Dodgers, three against the Rays, three against the Blue Jays, like all very tough. Um, I think that combination of games remaining and strength of schedule 
is something that you can kind of leverage going into this last month or so. Um, the flip side to that, just to I, I know I know this the, hope is lost, Mike, with your Chicago White Sox, but they do have <laughs> do have the easiest schedule from winning percentage uh, standpoint the rest of the way, and we all know the White Sox have players in their lineup that are available on fantasy teams. So just something to consider. You know what's going to happen, don't you? You know what's going to happen is that they're going to get hot at the end of August, and they're going to go into September, and they're going to win like 18, 19 games, and all these meatballs in Chicago are going to buy back in. I won't be one of them, but there will be many of us that will buy back into the White Sox and say, yeah, they just had to get healthy. Look at it. Give it another chance next yeah. year. I'm out. I'm out. That's about <laughs> the worst thing that could happen is to finish strong and say, ah, status quo. That's exactly what's going to happen. <laughs> I've I've been I've been a White Sox fan for most of my 50 years on the planet. So that's pretty much what we can get used to. Chris, I'm going to turn the question over to you. What's one fantasy related takeaway that you had this past week? Just how fast things can move in uh, specific like in the standings and specifically in, in ratio categories um, in my uh, turf league. I, I told you, Mike, I've mentioned on the show that I assembled the worst 15 team pitching staff that's ever been assembled. I mean, just bust after bust after bust. And at a certain point, I realized that, OK, I'm I'm not going to do well. Like I had like 12. I, I still have like 13 less wins than the 14th um, <laughs> team in that category. So it's like that's completely shot. I'm um, near the bottom in K's. Uh, but what I've really started to do, I told you I was going to do this is I just got every closer that I could throughout the season. I started this in like June when I realized like my staff is shot. So I started getting closers and guys that could help me in ratios. And, um, you know, it, it was a slog. Like I felt like I really wasn't, uh, making up any ground, even in like whip and ERA. Um, but I've had like two really good weeks in those categories where, you know, it seemed like I was dead and now I've already jumped up a few spots and I see a couple teams in front of me that are pretty close and I'm gaining ground. And believe it or not, with that team that's had awful pitching, I finagled my way to I have 92 points in the league and first has 98. And I see a very clear path to gaining another six or seven points in those ratio categories. So I'm like, damn, like I might actually be able to win this thing. Um, you know, and again, like it seemed like the team was kind of dead a couple weeks ago, but it just shows how quickly things can change. So anybody who's listening, you're in a roto league, I think just, um, you know, be realistic, but, but also like, all right, like don't give up, you know, whether it's batting average or some of the, or ERA or whip, um, just if, if those are areas where you can move up, really focus on that and, and realize that, that you can gain some ground there. You know, I think one of the things that's interesting is that you made those moves after you stopped your uh, love affair with Stephen Matz. Yeah, well, no, actually, Stephen Matz was one guy I had because I, I can only have so I'm many. Very clothes, aware. Right? I'm very aware. Yeah, so you, had you know me. Clo- I mean, I told you, I texted you like I cried all night the other day. Twelve when, closers uh, in uh, twelve closers in Stephen Matz. Yeah, it's like, it, it's like it's like when Tom Hanks loses Wilson in Castaway. That's like you getting it, it rid of really you tough. getting rid of Matt's was like watching that scene over and over again in my mind. You know, yeah. that's tough. Yeah. That, well, it was it was tough for me too, brother. Okay, yeah, yeah. I appreciate the condolences. 
<laughs> my key takeaway for the week uh, is something that I learned from my Glarf teammates. And um, the first two years that I played in Glarf, it's been well documented. I've, I've talked about it here. Uh, I've got my teeth kicked in. I finished 15th the first year, 14th the second year. This year, I'm right in the middle of the pack. And a, a lot of that was because I really studied the habits of my Glarf mates and how they spend their fab. And there are a few people in that league, I will not say who they are to protect them, that spent almost all of their money the first like month, six weeks of the season, which is a great strategy in some ways. But now those people are broke. I still have a little bit left over, so I'm able to kind of dedicate that more to my needs. I, I think that I will finish the year and still have money at the end, which is very key. As I learned in Glarf last year when Sarah won on the last weekend, coming back from uh, about six points down on the last weekend because she had fab when nobody else did. I think this is a really good idea for you guys that are playing in those types of leagues to really look at what your opponents are doing with their fab. I found that to be something that was very instructive and was something that I had never really done up until last year, talking about that with Sarah Sanchez and Dave McDonald and Jenny in our league. Just It, it, it seemed like a great idea. So I spent some time doing that, and I found that to be really instructive for me. I'm not saying it'll work for everybody, but knowing what your opponents have left and where their holes are and where you might be able to make some um, points to catch up there is really a crucial thing. So that was the thing that I kind of wanted to add there. Um, Looking ahead, guys, uh, any interesting trends that you guys are seeing? We, we like to talk about uh, hitters that are trending down, pitchers that are trending down, interesting team trends and things like that. Um, Ryan, who's a hitter that's trending down that you, that you might want to let people know about? Well, in true Bloom Boards fashion, I have an entire list. Of them. <laughs> yes, yes. I did. I did. I did. I did do a quick little search before. Um, what I so my and I've got three names. The first one is one who you can't really do anything about, but it's just surprising, or at least it was to me. I did not know Randy Rosarena for how great he's been this season, guys. Randy Rosarena is hitting one sixty eight with two home runs over the last month. Um, like that is that is shockingly bad. I know the Rays have cooled off a little bit, but like Randy Rosarena has done pretty much nothing uh, since basically the All Star break, and so again, no real takeaway. Like you're still like obviously in 15s, but I think even in 12s you're starting them. Like this is most likely just a uh, just kind of a blip, a slump kind of a thing. But there's always guys like like this, especially when you get to the dog days. It's like they just kind of slip through the cracks, and I don't don't really realize it. Um, Someone who you could probably do something about is Leota Tavares has one of the biggest drops in OPS over the last month compared to a season long. He's got a 500 OPS, which has been really bad for a Texas lineup that has otherwise uh, been really good lately. And then last one is Corbin Carroll. So like Corbin Carroll is one of the, let's see, I think he's hitting like 208. Over the last month, and the I would normally say, and it's probably still the takeaway, probably just still a slump. Two hundred six over the last month with with three home runs. He had the shoulder thing, um, which, which if you guys saw on on Twitter or whatever, he was just like swinging his bat in the on deck circle and looked pretty bad. The team says he's okay. He says he's okay. He's playing. I just wonder is that driving this two hundred six batting average with the complete lack of power over the last month? For Corbin Carroll, the, the good thing with Carroll, I think he stole another base today on Wednesday when we're recording. So he's got 11 steals over the last month. Still a stolen base machine. Still probably fine for next year. But it's just something when you when you throw on that little kind of 
injury bug to a slump, I get a little bit more concerned than I normally would with like in a Rosarena. Where does he go? So you got this draft coming up, Brian. Where do you think Corbin Carroll goes in that draft? First round? I think, I think he'll be top five. Top I think he'll five. be top okay. five. And I think he should be. And I think he should be. Unless this shoulder is just like something debilitating long-term, which we don't really know. Um, I just think what, what Corbin Carroll has done, 21 homers, 36 steals, 270 batting average, like just crazy. Um, and he's only, what, 22. So, um, yeah, I, I'd say he's top five. Yeah, quite quite a talent there. Chris, anybody that you wanted to add to that list? We'll see. Remember, I told you I wasn't prepared for this podcast, <laughs> so I'm like scrambling and books are falling and I'm, I'm trying to desperately find someone um, here for our listeners. Uh, and one guy that I've come across in the past two minutes is uh, Leover Leo Piguero. All right. Uh, let's talk about Leover Piguero. So now I just want you to know, Ryan, well, actually, you're not on the cover here. But minor league baseball analyst. Yeah, I, I'm a baseball one. HQ man, so yeah, you know. I just want you know. I'm I'm supporting you guys over there. Um, but I pulled out my HQ analyst and Leo Fripagero. I had never heard of him before, to be honest. And the pirate, like literally, I look at the Pirates box score and I'm like, who are these guys? Like they're just a bunch of random names. Uh, and Pagero stood out to me, but he's actually got some pedigree. Um, in in. Baseball HQ, they kind of rank uh, prospects on this scale. Uh, and Leo Piguero was an 8C, which is pretty good. Like, the 8, I guess, is the, the ceiling, right? Eight, yep, uh, 8 is long-term ceiling, and the, and the C is his probability of reaching that probability, ceiling. Right. So, yeah. So, I mean, that that's like, you know, very. there's really very few 10s. I think maybe Corbin Carroll was a 10. Um, you know, that's for like elite prospects. Number nine is like probably like an all-star level player. And an eight is like a starting, and they have him here projected to be a, a starting shortstop. Um, and so he got called up with very little fanfare. I didn't hear like anybody talking about him. Um, but he's an interesting player and he's actually, um, the skills look pretty decent so far. I mean, he's batting 269 with five home runs. Two stolen bases. He does have a power speed combo. He's making good quality of contact, a barrel rate of 9%, max EV of 110. So I think he's an interesting player. Um, and there's also, I'm looking at his Fangraphs page, and uh, I'll, I'll throw this to you, Mike, because you are the uh, the vocabulary guy. According to Eric Longenhagen, he's a viable, viable defensive shortstop with a precocious Ooh. feel for contact. So... I'm going to put you on the spot. Tell me what precocious means. So precocious can be used in a lot of different ways. And, and Eric uses it in a very interesting way there because precocious usually means someone who belies their age. So someone who is more advanced for their age or shows more adult-like tendencies at a young age is referred to as precocious, such as Jack Carter being a precocious beer drinker at age five. <laughs> wow. <laughs> Okay, I think I have to. How old is he? Do I have to report this? And you know, I'm a mandated reporter, Mike. Oh, I am as well. But let me tell you the story very quickly. So we took all of his Hot Wheels tracks when he was about five years old and put them down in the basement and connected them. And he had about 30 feet of these tracks that we put all together. We also have a refrigerator down in the basement that we use for our spare things. I went down there to get something. Katie and I were getting ready to make dinner. I went down there to get something and I noticed that there was a can of Coors Light open 
in the middle of the refrigerator. It struck me as odd because, first of all, I don't care about wasting a Coors Light. It's a $2 beer, right? But my thought process was it's odd that somebody would drink half of it and put it back in the refrigerator. Usually my wife and I, we finish the beers that we start drinking. So I go back upstairs and I bring it up and I go, hey, Katie, is this yours? This was open in the refrigerator downstairs. And Jack just volunteers. Oh, no, that's mine. And it was five. He was five. And I said, buddy, what are you doing? He goes, there's nothing better than when you're racing the cars and having a cold beer. And I'm like, he ain't wrong. I mean, that's a real man right there. So like, I'm like, okay. But then I had to have a conversation with him. I was like, hey, we don't like open daddy's beers and like, you know. Uh, daddy could go to prison for a long time like <laughs> let's not let's not do that again so uh yeah that was a that's a, a really famous jack carter story around Love these parts it, here <laughs> i i can't wait my my oldest is four so i'm looking forward to the same exact scenario sometime next year learn, so. learn from mike okay ryan like don't leave open beer cans uh around their their toys okay very very, very precocious yes very all right precocious. so we've learned what precocious means we've learned a little bit about leo Piguero. we've learned about uh bad parenting so yeah we're, <laughs> we're really we're we're doing Doing well here but yeah anyway leo Piguero, i think he's worth a look like i saw um in my 15 team main event league he's available yeah, i think he's like 30 something percent rostered at this point so he's someone i'll be looking at because it looks like he's playing every day and again got that power speed combo projected for a 254 average the rest of the way which isn't going to kill you so uh he's he's someone to uh look at moving forward well, that's that's great stuff, guys. Thanks for pointing that out. I, I didn't know much about him either, Chris, so that's really great. Of course, I have Corbin Carroll and Randy Rosarena on my home league team, so now I'm concerned. Uh, <laughs> uh, pitchers trending down, guys. Uh, anybody that you are looking at that is trending down, I know a couple of the names that are on this list uh, in true Bloomboards fashion, as you said, Ryan. Uh, who, who do you got there? So, like, I, I kind of took a similar thing just looking at the last month, like ERA guys, but uh, – as you guys know, I mean, starting pitching can be so volatile over season. You can, I mean, it's it's very easy for your ERA to blow up and look bad for a little while when you're fine and that sort of thing. So, um, I've got a few names here: Clark Schmidt, Jesus Lazardo, Jack Flaherty, Bailey Ober. All have ERAs over six over the last month. But not only that, these are guys who, from a workload standpoint, in a, like just a pure innings pitch standpoint, are entering uncharted territory this season compared to where they've been in innings pitch in each of the last three seasons. And so that's where I get a little bit, and not even just like a September shutdown for some of these guys who are out of the race, but just like effectiveness, some of these guys. And I like with Lizardo, for example, injuries have been an issue really throughout his career. So as these guys go further and further into the season, will their arms hold up? Will they hold that velocity or will they start to kind of wear down as as we get to the fifth sixth month of the season so um it's 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 a little bit of just yeah the poor performance lately but when you tack that on with okay these guys you know have not pitched this much recently i start to get a little little bit concerned so those four guys uh were were for that that stuck out to me in in that regard yeah, for sure. I had kind of run across that with Ober, who was great for me the first couple of months. And then uh, he, he'd thrown a couple of duds in there. And I was like, eh, I think it's time to move on. And so I, I did release him and, and pick somebody else up to replace him there. So I think those are all great ones. Chris, anything that you want to add there? I got absolutely nothing. But I do want to ask you, Ryan, what do you do when um, you mentioned like sometimes like like when your pitchers get blown up? What do you do? As far as checking the standings, like if you know your ERA, you had two pitchers get blown up and your ERAs just get got crushed. Like, 
do you take a few days before you look at the standings again or how do you how do you emotionally handle that i'm really curious this is something i struggle with you i remember remember you talking about i believe last week on the show and it's like i really try not to check standings uh all the time but i do like I, i i keep telling myself control what i can control like me staring at the standings is gonna do nothing to my fantasy team uh that time is much better spent well, A, with my kids, <laughs> but B, like maybe on fat pickups or that sort of thing, like just staring at the standings does absolutely nothing. It's easier said than done. Um, so, yeah, I'll look at I'll look at after a blow up and look at where that ERA went to. And it's it's depressing as hell. And I wish I didn't do it, but I do. Yeah. It. So. And, and like if you're in an overall, like it really like if you have a couple bad blow ups, like you drop like a stone, you know, in those standings. And it's like, oh my God, like it hurts. So like, I'll do this thing where like on the NFBC site, like I will circumvent the stand. Like if I know that it's not going well, like I will find a way not to look at the stains. I'll literally like put my hand over the phone. Like, so I don't see like where <laughs> the standings are because I'm like, I just don't want it. Like it's not, not good. You know, like it's not good for my my psyche. So, just curious how how you deal with that. But I'd yeah, love to see. I'd love to be a fly on the wall and see like a piece of tape. Oh, it's over, so ridiculous! Over, your, I, over the top half of your phone. Yeah, no, it's so ridiculous. Like I do it with when my wife's not here because <laughs> like <laughs> because I know she's gonna question me. She's like, "What the f- are you doing?" Like, mm-hmm. but yeah, as well, as well really she should question thing. you. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, about a lot of other things too. Like, yeah, and it's not like. uh if that's the worst thing that I do, though, that's like weird. And, uh, you know, I guess that's not not too bad. I'm but, to the point, uh, too, yeah, where like I'm in off. races. Somebody. What's uh, that? So I was just going to say, I'm to the point, too, where I'm in like a couple races in leagues. And I'm like, like, this is like, this is bad. But I'm like actively rooting against the guys who I'm going with. And just like when they when their guys get blown up, because it happens to everyone. I know that. Right. I refresh those standings and look, look how much he went down. <laughs> oh, without a doubt, man. It feels great. Yeah. I yeah. know. Uh, there's that, that, uh, that shot in Freud, right? Like where you just, you know, like Clark Schmidt the other day, I had him in the league and I sat him and when he got blown up, like, I'm not going to, you know, I'm not going to sugarcoat it. Like I was like, yeah, yeah, I was, you know, real happy to look at standings then. But, uh, no, but anyway, I stalled long enough. One pitcher who I'd recommend is a uh, Chase Silseth. Um, I at, at this point I think he's like fifteen teamers. He's gone, right? But if you're in a twelve teamer, I think he's still fairly available. Um, you know, he's got Tampa Bay this week, uh, and, and the skills have just been excellent. I think I mentioned him last week too when I was talking with Jeff Fletcher, um, and I was I actually benched him for that Houston start on uh, I think it was this past Sunday. And he did really well there too. So to go on the road in Houston, and I think he threw like five scoreless, uh, was really encouraging. I mean, he's got a 35% K rate, six uh, percent walk rate. Everything is backing it up. A 2.70 Sierra. The swinging strike is at 14.8%. Um, so I, I think he's uh, definitely somebody. If you're in a 12 teamer, need help uh, in pitching, he's a guy to target. Very good. Yeah, that's a great that's a great name there, Chris. Thanks for sharing that. Uh, any interest? Any interesting team trends that you guys picked up in, in over the last few days? All right, so I got a list here, of course, just as usual. But it just goes <laughs> back to like just again keeping up with recent trends. It's really hard to do, but look at the team level 
for WRC plus. And so that's, I mean, that's just, that's one of, that's the metric I just kind of generally use for how effective a, a team has been. I think of the Cardinals, they were totally sellers at the deadline. Yes, they still have Nolan Arenado, Paul Goldschmidt, who hasn't been that great lately, but like Cardinals have been the third best offense in baseball over the last month. That's really surprising. Wow. I think of the Royals as like one of the worst lineups. So you want to stream against and that sort of thing. The Royals have been the 11th best offense in baseball over the last month. The Cincinnati Reds, and actually, Mike, your Chicago Whites, I just, I'll just try to continue to bag on the White Sox. The White Sox are, have been almost as good as the Reds over the last month. That's great. The problem is, yeah, the Reds have been 27th best over yeah, the last month. Yeah, that's, month a, that's awesome. Sox. 28. So, like, I don't know. You just think of the Reds as, like, this machine and their they're top five offense. Never, never start anyone at Great American Small Park. Over the last month or so, I was actually I had Logan Allen active in in labor uh, yesterday at Cincinnati, and I was I was scared. Shut him down. Cincinnati didn't even score against Allen and Cleveland yesterday. So um, again, this stuff can change, but it's just interesting that like, the Reds have been one of the worst offenses in baseball over the last month. That's fascinating. It's not something you would think of off the top of your head, right? So that's a that's a great one. Uh, I'll talk a little bit quickly about two bullpens that we're, that we should be watching kind of carefully over the course of the next week or so. Uh, and they're both in the wonderful state of Missouri. Uh, Kansas City tapped Carlos Hernandez to be the closer after they made their bevy of trades and moving Scott Barlow, moving a role this Chapman. Now that Chapman was closing while he was there, but um, had obviously a a lot of closing experience, but Carlos Hernandez is really struggling uh, so far in his brief stint as closer. I did recommend him a couple of weeks back as somebody to, to pick up and stash on your roster. Right now, it does not look like he's the answer, but in his defense, the Royals don't really have very much else that they can turn to in this situation and looking at closer. So I think Hernandez will have a relatively long leash. I don't know how long you want to use him based on what he might be able to do to your ratios as he did to mine last week, which is not great. So that's Kansas city in a nutshell. Um, uh, Cox is a name to watch there as well, but I think Carlos Hernandez is going to have a fairly long uh, stint there as the closer, at least for the rest of the year, they have nothing to play for. They might as well see what they can do with him there. The other one that's interesting is St. Louis. And I know a lot of uh, fantasy players had reached out to me uh, via direct messaging and were asking about stashing Ryan Helsley. Doesn't seem like a bad idea on the surface as he's coming back from injury, but we just learned yesterday that his rehab stint was halted due to soreness. There was not really any other further explanation, and I haven't had a chance to look today to see if there was any further explanation about what that soreness was. Now, if we look over the last week or two of what they've been doing in terms of who's closing for St. Louis when they have those opportunities, uh, Giovanni Gallegos and Jojo Romero have been splitting those chances but Gallegos, to me, is clearly the guy to roster over Romero. I think he will get three out of every four save chances. Jojo Romero does not profile as a closer. I think Gallegos will continue to get those opportunities until Helsley is back. Uh, I'll be definitely looking at it later in the week to see where Helsley is at. I, I did stash him in a couple of places, hoping to be able to milk three or four saves out of him down the stretch. So those are my bullpen recommendations and thoughts for the week. Uh, take them or leave them. Again, you guys know my DMs are open. If you ever have a question about that stuff, I'll try to help you out as much as I can, and uh, we'll go from there. So, um, guys, I wanted to ask you while we're all together, too, 
we like to recommend the work of other people when we're on the show. And we ask our guests, Ryan, to each recommend one fantasy-related podcast or article or piece of content that they found helpful or interesting over the past week. Is there anything that you feel you could share in that regard? Give a shout-out to uh, to Mike Curlin, the king, King Curlin, who, who put <laughs> something out this week. Uh, actually, on Thursday, or whatever day is it, Wednesday. Uh, talk about Matt Chapman. I thought this was really interesting. I saw something going around earlier this week that like Whit Merrifield and Matt Chapman have almost the same home run total. I think Chapman has a few more homers than Whit Merrifield. That was my tweet, man. That was your tweet? Yeah. There we go. I didn't know that. <laughs> so this is the perfect like segue then. Uh, well, you know, so- because I was so tilted, to be honest with you, because... So I have Matt Chapman, another guy on the main event team who's like totally underperform. Well, not totally, but underperforming uh, compared to what I expected. Uh, and specifically in home runs, like I keep seeing he has a barrel here, barrel there, but he only has 15 home runs on the year. And I keep having this come up where like I'll check the Blue Jays box score and I see that they scored like a couple of runs and I'm like excited. I'm like, oh, Chapman must have hit one. Right. And then I look and I feel like every time I, I do that, it's Whit Merrifield. And I'm like, what is happening? What is going? Am I going crazy? And then I look and maybe I'm not going crazy because like it doesn't make any it doesn't make any sense that Whit Merrifield has. I think it was uh, 10 barrels and 11 home runs. Yeah, I've got it in Matt front Chap- of me. Yeah, it was. Yeah, yeah. Matt Chapman has uh, 50 barrels and yes. 15 home runs. So like that is just like historically lucky versus historically unlucky. So I'm sorry, I'll I'll let you continue. No, I had no idea that was that was you. That is uh, that's a beautiful, beautiful coincidence. Um, what Curlin did today was he looked at Matt Chapman a little bit more and found that like almost all, I think three fourths of Chapman's barrels are to the opposite field, either center opposite field. And it was just interesting, like, and then actually, you know, Saris chimed in, was like, yeah, there's a huge difference in production on a barrel that is pulled versus one that's not. And not to get too far down this this rabbit hole, but the general takeaway is just like, and I use home run to barrel all the time because I like to look, I mean, barrels obviously are skills and, and home runs are results. So I like to see who's, who's, who's showing the skills but not getting the results. The takeaway for me from Curl and Sweet was just like, there's always just more to it than looking at a single number. Um... And so if you dive a little bit deeper and you you watch Chapman, you see that, yes, he's going opposite field on almost all of his barrels. It's like, yes, he's been unlucky. I still think he has been. Like, I don't think anybody has 50 barrels and 15 home runs. Like, that. that's brutal. Um, but maybe shouldn't have as many home runs as we think he should have, if that even makes sense as a sentence. But just thought it was interesting that, you know, kind of peel one level deeper and and – don't don't just take a single statistic at face value. Uh, kind of look look deeper and see see why that is. And so I just thought it was well, thought it was interesting in Chapman's case. That's great. Yeah, Torres, nice job on that tweet. That was a great thing there. Really well done. Thanks, bud. Yeah, you know, I'm just I'm looking out for you. You know, I'm worried about you. You've had made some comments that, today that make me worry that you're going to be running around outside in your underwear later on tonight. You know, <laughs> like I just <laughs> very high chance. One more Clark here. Schmidt start. oh my gosh well anyway we're having some fun here guys so for those of you that are just kind of catching up here we're still here with ryan bloomfield from baseball hq and bubba in the bloom and all the variety of activities that he's up to 
And we're talking a little bit about recommendations that we had for the week of fantasy-related podcasts, articles, things of that nature. Uh, the one thing that I listened to over the weekend that I really, really enjoyed was I, I listened to the baseball, baseball HQ podcast every week. It was the first podcast that I ever really listened to at length uh, when I was first starting playing fantasy baseball. And Patrick Davitt had on Ariel Cohen last week. And there's something about the way that Ariel speaks that really um, hits home for me in terms of he's obviously a really smart guy. He's brilliant at what he does and, and with his projections. But the way that he speaks it to me just makes sense. And sometimes I find myself listening to a podcast and I find the speakers to somewhat be nebulous. And I don't know if that's just because I'm older and I, I have fewer brain cells than other people do, but Ariel did a great job on that. Patrick did a great job with the interview. Uh, that's something that if you hadn't had a chance to listen to it, I'd, I'd advise you to go back and, and take another look at it. Chris, was there anything else that you wanted to add? I know we were talking a little bit about the Matt Chapman tweet and, and Ryan's take on that. And with and Mike Curland, hopefully Mike Curland will be at uh, first pitch this year. Hopefully he won't be wearing the one-piece bathing suit again that he wore the last time I saw him there. <laughs> so shout out to Curlin. Curlin's a great guy. Uh, Chris, what's your takeaway for the week there? Well, speaking of bathing suits, do you know that I am, I think, the only person in the fantasy community who's seen Ariel Cohen with the shirt off? I I was not expecting that. and. <laughs> Uh, no, I know did that, not. Did I did not know that. What, yeah. How did that? How did that come about, Chris? Well, we'll we'll keep the details. Uh, okay. <laughs> there, no, no. There, I think I've heard in, this story. Incandescent, incandescent action there. What's going on? There was some incandescence for sure. Uh, no, I think I I told the story. I I did a quick video about this. How I ran into Ariel Cohen yeah. at a pool in Long Island, and it was just the the weirdest thing, man. Like the weirdest thing. Because, you know, like Ariel has a very distinct voice, right? And oh, yeah. like I'm just in a pool with my kids and my wife in Long Island visiting my cousin. And it was literally just us on this end of the pool. And then I see this guy coming in. And I don't know who he's talking. Might have been talking to himself. But like I hear his voice and I'm like, what? I know that voice. Like, I, you know, I listened to the Beat the Shift podcast and it was freaking Ariel Cohen. Like what are the odds i mean coolest dude really nice really down to earth uh but it was just like the most bizarre thing so but yeah i saw him with the shirt off um anyway <laughs> i was trying when you when you were asking that like are you the, you're the only fantasy i was like I, I was trying to think the 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 wild nights that first pitch arizona can get i was like did we did we see did other people that see or, yeah i don't know i haven't been yet i i want to go but uh yeah i can't speak to how how crazy gets over there you know <laughs> but uh hopefully one of these years I'm, I'm i'm gonna get out there but um uh my recommendation i'll just make this quick because I'm, I'm blabbing here but uh andrew DeSegli, do you guys know who he is no i feel like i know the name but i, I, I tell me more so okay so he's on twitter uh and he's kind of new like I, I think he really just started putting stuff out there this year but he He's an analyst at Sports Ethos with uh, Joe Rico, and he's actually been putting out some really good stuff. I started following him, and he does um, basically like these daily threads, kind of recapping you know some of the top performers in fantasy uh, from the uh, prior day. He does like like I'm looking at a thread now. He put like a list of players that he's adding, 
Um, so I just think it's really cool. Like I, I just like what he's doing and it's kind of like those days where I, I'm really not up to speed on things. I found it helpful to just look at his feed and he just kind of highlights some of these players. Uh, it was kind of what, um, do you remember Micah? Um, I know he did that for a while. Yep. yep. Uh, Micah notes. I think it was. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Mike notes. Yeah. And uh, unfortunately, he doesn't do that anymore. And I loved what he was doing. But Andrew's kind of doing something similar. Uh, so give him a follow. He is at Andrew underscore FBB. Uh, Andrew DeSegli, uh putting out some really good work. So just wanted to shout him out. Oh, that's awesome. Yeah, that's great. Well, we like to do that here on the podcast and, and point to people that are doing great work. And, you know, there's a lot of really great people that are doing outstanding things. And we want to shine a bright light on that. And Another thing that we want to shine a bright light on here at the Fantasy Baseball Beat, at the end of every show, we really talk about the Mental Health Minute. And we usually go into more detail than one minute, obviously. But we like to ask our guests what they're, what's something that they're doing to take care of themselves mentally and physically. And one of the things that we find, and I know that I've said this before, is that men don't generally talk about mental health-related topics. And... Chris and I both being in mental health fields, I'm a school principal at a therapeutic day school by day. Chris is a therapist uh, by day as well. This is something that we talk about a lot offline. Ryan, we wanted to ask you if you would share with us, what's something that you're doing to take care of yourself, either mentally or physically or both these days, uh, as we kind of get to the end of summer and get ready for fall here? So this kind of this kind of piggies back on uh, on what Lauren was saying last week in terms of just getting outside and walking and like just clearing your head. For me, uh, I actually ran my first 5K probably ever. I don't know. Uh, maybe maybe I did something like that when I was in high school back when I was like in somewhat decent shape. But um, I did the whole like couch to 5K thing, and I'll admit, like overweight, like I struggled very much. Uh, at the beginning, um, but just stuck with it and just made it like a more not like a lifestyle thing, but just part of my routine where every day at, at the end of work. So, uh, Chris, like you, I, I work from home and I just sit in front of a computer screen all day. And then when work is done or even while work is going on, I'm watching baseball or checking box scores. And it's like I need to just get away from that for for some time, get away from a screen, get outside. Um avoid the uh the temptation of of happy hour beers and that sort of thing so instead of you know when 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 it's time to hang up the the the, the theoretical working boots uh just go out and run and, and and do that and i just stuck to a schedule and just recently actually did the 5k so um was That's super awesome. super proud of myself for that i know running like a lot of people hate it it, it sucks i i will admit it does get a little bit easier but uh it just helped and not even just like from a physical thing, but you just kind of feel better once you get back. And uh, it's just like I actually did something productive as opposed to watching, you know, MLB game day of Steven Matz. There you go. Good name. And doing that at five. So uh, that, that would be one thing. I, I'm more of a physical person. So just anything physical just gets the blood flowing, gets uh, gets gets you in a better mood uh, mentally. Mm hmm. Sure. Chris, how about you? What's something that you've been doing? Uh, I, know, I know you've been really busy the last week or two with a lot of different things going on, a lot of irons in the fire. How are you taking care of yourself these days? So I'm going to focus more on something that is, I, I guess, more in the physical health realm. But, uh, you know, I, as we know, there's such a connection between physical and mental health. So, it, you know, it, it applies. Um, 
So you're right. I am busy. I got a lot going on and I've developed this really uh, negative habit. It really got worse like when I was in nursing school because, I mean, it was just like so intense that, you know, you get a break for five minutes and you're woofing down a whole meal. You know, it's like um, and I got into this really bad habit of eating food really fast. Um, and you know, like people would kind of like laugh, like, damn, you're like, you're like a vacuum, you're like a Hoover vacuum or whatever, like make light of it. But it's actually something that, you know, I've noticed is really like it, it breeds more anxiety. You, you know, when you're, when you're eating that fast, you're not digesting your food properly. Then you get like stomach issues. Your energy is not as good because you're not digesting your food the right way. So it just throws off your whole body. And I'm still really working at this because, again, it's like so ingrained in me right now. But I find that when I do take time to sit down and actually like intentionally eat and chew my food, you know, like it sounds silly, but it it's something that sometimes I don't really do. Um, I've I've found that I just feel better. I feel my my body feels better. I feel sharper mentally. Like there is absolutely something to that. So. Um, yeah, I, I would absolutely anybody else who I know other people do that too. And like, I was having like some stomach issues and really the, the reason was I wasn't chewing my food. So if you're having those kind of issues, like, look at that, you know, like, look at how are you, um, you know, because you have the, uh, not to get into like a science lecture, but like your, the enzymes in your mouth, like they start to break down your food in your mouth. Right. So if you're like you're bypassing that, like you're already just screwing up your whole digestion process. Mm -hmm. So, uh, yeah, that's what I'm I'm trying to do right now. Oh, that's a great that's a great tip. I mean, being more intentional in everything we do is always a good idea. Being more intentional in what you put into your body and how quickly you put that into your body is true. But being in, in mental health field and working as a nurse, as you're saying, those are two places where you have to sometimes eat very quickly and sometimes eat very unhealthily very quickly. So good for you for doing that and taking better care of yourself, you know, with you, with your wonderful wife and two kids there, they need you to be strong and be healthy. So good for you for taking that step, man. Um, for me, this is, this last week was a, a gigantic ramp up to the start of the school year. As I mentioned earlier, I'm starting my 29th school year working in the, in the therapeutic day school world. And it's my 12th year as the principal. And there's always all, all kinds of work that you do in early August to get ready for the start of the school year. And I always start to feel that little pinch there the three or four days beforehand. Have I done enough? Am I ready to go? What am I missing? What are the things that I, I need to make sure are in place before the kids get there on Wednesday when we start school? And one of the things that I had forgotten about was that my daughter, Ellie, and I, she finally got me to start listening to Spotify about a year ago. I'm still the CD and vinyl kind of guy, you know, listening to that stuff at home. And we made a, a car playlist and I started finding myself instead of listening to, uh, you know, serious baseball radio and listening to the local guys talking about how bad the Sox are and how surprising the Cubs have been here the last few weeks. I started listening to that playlist again and I re remembered all the things that I like about music and how music can really help kind of calm the soul and kind of feed you a little bit uh, on those days when you're feeling like you're not doing your best or that you're you need a little bit of extra, you know. And so our playlist is kind of weird. You know, we've got some Jeff Buckley on there. We got some Radiohead on there. We got some old, you know, 80s and 90s songs that my daughter got into as, as a as a younger kid now. And so it's kind of got a little bit of everything and you never know what's going to pop up. So 
that kind of brought me some joy that I wasn't expecting. And it, it made me smile and it made me realize, hey, you know what? I know I'm not going to be 100% ready for everything that's going to come my way. There's always a surprise day one. Today, it was that the net, the network wasn't working, which is a real problem in a school. Um, but you kind of roll with the punches and you kind of learn how to do that when you do those things, right? So that's my tip for the week. You know, put a, pop something on that you like to listen to that gets you out of that realm of, you know, the same thing that you do every day, just kind of by rote muscle memory. So um, I wanted to take a minute here now at the end of the show to thank Ryan for being on. Ryan, you know, uh, it's really a pleasure to be able to have you on. We're are thrilled that you were able to be able to join us today. Can you tell us a little bit about uh, where people can find you on social media and any big things that you got coming up here in the next few weeks? Yeah, for sure. Appreciate it, guys. And Mike, that was that was really good. I actually one thing I'll add on to that with with running. I had made the intentional decision to listen to music while I run instead of like fantasy baseball podcasts because uh, I'm listening to things that I have not heard and in forever so um kind of that same exact thing just running was a way for me to actually get away and do that so um yeah appreciated it with you guys uh, i'm on twitter x whatever we do whatever we're doing these days at, at ryan bhq my work at baseballhq.com the bubba and the bloom podcast drops every friday morning we record it late thursday night once uh once bubba and my kids are uh in bed so Look for that every Friday. And for some of you guys, Mr. Carter, I'll see you out in Arizona for first pitch. Chris, we'll, we'll, we'll apply that peer pressure and get you out there one of these years. But really looking forward to first pitch Arizona, November 2nd through the 5th uh, this year. Cannot wait. Yeah, for those of you that have not been, first pitch is a must-go. Um, Lauren and I were talking about that offline last week before she came on the pod, and we agreed that we are now first pitch lifers, no matter what, what the cost might be or, or what it might the cost to our personal relationships might be at home. Um, my because my wife then asked me, she's like, "I'd really like to go to Arizona in November too," and I go, "Well." You might have to go with somebody else or go on your own because you're not coming to first pitch Arizona with me. <laughs> uh, anyway, now, Ryan, thanks again for being on. You know, we're a huge fan of your work. Um, I go back a long way following you before I knew you. I now consider you to be a good friend and and uh, look forward to seeing you at first pitch as well. Thank you so much for making time and being with us today. We know you got a million things going on. For my partner in crime, Chris Torres, the incandescent Chris Torres, I'm Mike Carter signing off on the fantasy baseball beat for this week. Peace to all. Remember your DMS are always open here. If you ever need somebody to talk to, or you're looking for resources and working on your mental health, or you just need fantasy baseball advice. Thank you and have a great rest of your day.